the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Thank you for joining us here on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. We appreciate your time. We're looking forward to spending the next hour with you as we discuss how you can build toward financial independence later in life, retirement. Some people view it. And we are going to be speaking with, as we always are, Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Josh's firm is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, and they offer you a free no-obligation consultation so you can get to know the team, discuss investing, what you've done so far, maybe what you need to do and that is easy to set up all you need to do is call their office and make your appointment 614-917-1040 is their number you can also make your appointment online their web address is aptuswealth.com aptus is spelled a-p-t-u-s aptuswealth.com and josh we typically in our first segment talk about current events and how they affect retirement we've had two significant events here in the last week or two in the last two weeks rather two significant announcements as we have for the past two years been tracking inflation and then tracking what the Fed does to try to get inflation under control. Fed raised rates for the 11th time in its past 12 opportunities to do so, a quarter of a percentage point. And then in the aftermath of that, and they raised rates, obviously, to bring inflation down, inflation in the month of July ticked up. Not a lot, but it went up a little bit from 3% to 3.2% year over year. So I think the Fed maybe was proven right in the fact that some people questioned why it would be continually raising rates now that inflation had come down, as the White House is fond of saying, 11 consecutive months in a row. Yeah, well, I mean, it's important to note that inflation is a lagging indicator. So, you know, the fact that it went up had nothing to do with the rate hike. I think sometimes we inadvertently correlate things like, well, they raised rates and then inflation went up. No, inflation in the month prior to them raising rates, it went up. So I think it at least anecdotally indicates that, you know, the raise of the rates was a good idea if, in fact, the Fed's target is 2%, which they've been touting and yelling from the mountaintops for a long time. And, you know, the Fed chairman uh, was very clear, uh, or at least I believe he was pretty clear in his hawkish statements that they're going to continue to raise rates as necessary to get to that target. Now, whether or not they actually do that or how they achieve that, if it's consistent quarter point rate hikes from here on out, or if they skip some and add some is yet to be seen. But there's no question that they have to take into account the virility of the U.S. economy. And if it looks like that economy starts getting on a little bit of wooden legs, which is always the risk. If we keep on raising rates, then people trying to borrow money to 
mm-hmm. build their you know goods and services, et cetera, cannot do so, then that will have a uh, hopefully not a catastrophic, but an impact nonetheless on the on the economy. So I think they're at least hopefully up to this point they're they seem to be in tune with that, and they haven't uh, caused any significant damage. Yeah, and sometimes these topics can really seem overly complex when we're talking about, you know, billions or trillions of dollars and rates and, you know, the impact on bond markets or stock markets. But really, it's not that much different on a business large scale sense than it is from your own house. Like if you have to pay a higher interest rate, uh, your house payment is higher. If uh, you have a job and you're bringing in money, then you can deal with things that come up. And if you don't have a job, uh, then it's more of an issue and you're dealing with a reduced income via unemployment insurance. So one of the things that this prolonged period of interest rate hikes has caused is it's made uh, the the possibility of investing in bonds something that people look at more because the stock market is not given those same dependable results that we got used to it giving when interest rates were down around zero. And then we've seen the bond market itself react to where a shorter term bond is paying a better rate than a longer term bond. And we've had banks fail because of longer term bonds. So just the general concept of the economy is that it's very complex, but it almost seems like one move here triggers another move there and trigger, 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 trigger. And you can get to a situation that has far reaching implications. Yeah, it feels like if you just took the U.S. economy and started deleting a bunch of zeros off of the numbers, you could get down to like my household. Mm-hmm. Okay, if we're making a hundred thousand bucks a year, then where does all the money go? And I think also as we explain bonds, for example, you know what is a bond? It is simply an IOU that either the government or some entity or corporation issues you as an IOU. They pay you an interest rate like a loan. They're paying interest only payments, and at the end of some predetermined time, usually. You know, somewhere between one and 10 years, we'll pay you your money back. All right, simple enough. I get it. Well, how is that impacted? Well, if interest rates go up and I bought a 10-year bond and my bond is currently paying 5%, but I want to sell it before the 10 years and now everybody going out to buy new bonds can get a 6% interest rate, well, why would I pay you full price for mm-hmm. one earning five as opposed to six? So in general, rising interest rates has a negative effect on bonds. You go, okay, I understand that. Okay, well, when they raise interest rates, then companies that are borrowing money to build their gadgets, whether it's a car or whatever it might be, their cost of borrowing and their cost of goods sold has essentially gone up. So that means that we're either going to pay more or their profit's going to go down. Either way, that's probably bad for their stock price. All right, I understand that. And then you just keep on adding in all of the ingredients to the special soup, and you go, how do these all correlate together, and what am I supposed to do? Right. And that's the challenge. Yeah, that's the challenge. And that's what they specialize in at Aptus is reading these signals and knowing the signs and basing it upon what has happened before, but reacting to new market conditions and different investing options. And they help get you down the road to retirement so you don't get a surprise when that day comes. And if you're wondering, could I be a client of Aptus if I live outside central Ohio? The answer is yes. They do service a lot of their clients remotely. 614-917-1040 is how you start that process. Get your free consultation. You can make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. If you don't know where Route 750 is, it's just a little bit north of 23 and 270. So I'd encourage you to set up that consultation today. My wife and I did that, and that's how we became Aptus clients. We are very, very satisfied with the work that Josh and his team is doing on our behalf. So The bad thing in investing is volatility, not knowing what's coming. 
And when we were in that period where interest rates were basically zero for a long time, companies could borrow money very cheaply. They could build their uh, facilities. They could invest in new products, innovation, things like that. And you got pretty much foolproof returns of some sort from the stock market. Now we're in a different climate where money is more expensive to borrow and we're coming out of a pandemic. Maybe that adds a wrinkle to it. I don't know. But a lot of things have changed. For instance, working on site used to be automatic. Now we've got remote work and on so, those different things. So this is an example of when I say that you guys are operating on a historical basis, but you're also factoring in new kind of wrinkles in uh, the investing environment. Now that we're in a period where interest rates are high and they're still trying to get inflation down, and that's affected bond returns, and bonds are typically seen as safer than stocks, are bonds something that people now can have how much quote-unquote long-term peace with as, um, I'm not saying an exclusive investing option, but as a reliable investing option for whatever piece of their total portfolio they deem or you deem that to be uh, reasonable? Yeah, it's a very interesting time, and I'll give you some historical perspective as to what I mean. Uh, for about the last 40 years or so, uh, most people uh, have seen a couple of things happen. Number one, we can't ignore it. Pensions have gone by the wayside. Mm -hmm. If you rewind the clock back 40 years ago, nine out of 10 people had pensions, and now we have one. So if you just look at the retirement planning, most people had Social Security, a pension, and then maybe a little bit of extra ancillary money that they used to supplement that. But it was not the basis for their retirement. It was the, the gravy on their retirement. Well, fast forward to today, and less than one in 10 people have pensions, so you're reliant upon Social Security, which is always in the news as potentially going away. Conversation for a different day, maybe, but but a challenge. Obviously, it, sure. it raises the blood pressure. And then we have our 401ks. And essentially, 401ks over time, the belief was, well, I'm going to invest a whole bunch in stocks when I'm young, and then as I get older, I'm going to shift more and more to bonds because they're, quote, less volatile, more predictable guaranteed rate of return. I can get four, five, six percent out of bonds, but I can get seven, eight, nine percent out of stocks. So, you know, both are pretty good. One's just more stable than the other. And that's kind of what happens in these target date funds. For everybody that's listening, you probably in your 401k are invested in something like a 2050 or a 2040 or a 2030 fund. And that simply means, well, if I'm going to retire in 2030, I'm reliant upon the company, whether it's Vanguard or Fidelity, to slightly adjust my portfolio over time to more of the bonds. Well, now insert today. So remember that bonds are inversely proportional to interest rates. So rewind the clock back to 40 years. That was the 1980s. What has happened with interest rates since the 1980s? They've gone steadily down. So mm -hmm. bond prices have fared very, very well. Well, last year was the first year where the it, it kind of came to, to a head. And not only did the stock market go down, which historically speaking has caused the Fed to lower interest rates to boost the economy, but our uh, stock prices went down or our, our stock market went down while simultaneously we had an inflationary problem. So the Fed had no choice but to rise interest rates. What did that do? Last year, the stock market was down, you know, give or take 18 to 20%, while simultaneously the bond market was down roughly 13%. So if you were in that, I'm being a safe, moderate investor, 50-50, you were down in the high teens. Yeah, wow. So that didn't work. And what that's led to, unfortunately, Bruce, is a lot of folks with analysis paralysis. They're either the type of investors who say, eh, this happens, I stay the course, I'm fine, or they go, I'm on the red zone. I got five years left. If I can just put the money in a CD and earn five, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. But there are some problems with that. 
The problem with putting your money in a CD at five is we have what's called an inverted yield curve. And when you have an inverted yield curve, that means you don't have any guarantees for long term. You're only getting a CD for at 5% or 5.3 for at max a year. So let's think about what happened back in the 1980s and 90s. Well, 5.3% didn't hold forever. So if we keep on raising interest rates, that's great. It's just going to keep going up and we're going to keep on getting better deals. But remember what happened at the end of the 80s. Well, now we got inflation under control. We started lowering interest rates. You could be stuck in a position where you have not been buying stocks. You got 5% last year, but now you're back to earning 1%. And that's a difficult spot to be in. How will you make your retirement last? Now, I have some solutions there. But it's a difficult spot. Yeah, it is a difficult spot because everybody's on this continuum at a different point. I mean, if you're a year out, two years out, 10 years out, 20 years out, your strategies need to be different. So you have to have someone representing you who understands that difference. And they certainly do at Aptus. They're fiduciaries, which requires them to do what is legally best for you. That is certainly something that gave my wife and I great peace of mind. I think it could give you the same. Meet with Josh and the Aptus team. Have your free consultation. There's no obligation at all. 614-917-1040 is the number to call to set that up or make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So I don't want to oversimplify what you're doing at Aptus or what any financial planner is doing, but you're basically trying to read risks and then assess where a person is, what their ability to invest is and put it in the best vehicle or combination of vehicles to give them uh, the best kind of return that you can. And I would think a part of that is, okay, this is what's happening out there, whether it's interest rates, inflation, stock market, whatever. So here's how we're going to combat that, react to that, strategize according to that. So as we have this period now where bonds are more attractive than they used to be, but we've got an inverted yield curve, um, is there a strategy that is something that people should be doing to sort of take advantage of market conditions right now and what's going on? Yeah, th there are. And, and you're absolutely right. You know, my job is part historian, part mathematics, <laughs> part science, and then part psychologist, right? Mm -hmm. And the science piece of this is looking forward and saying, what do we believe is a good play for what is to come? The psychologist piece of it is, how are you going to react when these things occur? And we've talked many times about this, but we cannot ignore the behavioral gap that occurs in investing. So if we look at the stock market, for example, and let's say that it averages 10% over a period of time, the average investor will typically average 40 to 50% less than that. And, you know, you read a lot, you hear a lot of commercials where they say, that's the fees you're paying your advisor. In <laughs> reality, it's the behavior that you're Engaging, uh, in, engaging reacting in. in, reacting yeah. to, yeah. So when the market goes down, we have a fear of losing it all, so we get out. Yep. And when the market goes out, we have a fear of missing out, right? My kids would say FOMO, yeah. right? Yeah. So we jump back in, and what we end up doing is uh, really just challenging our cholesterol and our heart and really not getting great rates of return. Ironically, or sadly, most investors that invest in the stock market end up getting bond-like returns because of their own behaviors. Wow. So you would probably be better off investing in fixed and bonds to begin with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But my contention to that is if we can create a plan that will manage those emotions while simultaneously achieving objectives, well, then we can do better than the average investor. And that's proved to be accurate. So let me give you a couple of options, for example. Now is a great time, in my opinion. We might be early, to be fair, uh, but we also don't want to be late. It might be a great time to invest in long-term locked-in rates 
that might add that third leg to the stool that we lost in the way of pensions. So I'll give you an example. If you knew that between Social Security and other guaranteed, and I know that's a that's a delicate word yeah. that I get to use in my business, but unless it's true. So in guaranteed income for the remainder of your life, if those two things combined. The first one was what? Social, Social Security. Security. Okay. And then a guaranteed income stream for the rest of your life met your baseline income needs. You would be much more tolerant of market fluctuations knowing you have a solid foundation on your house. Sure. So uh, I'll give you an example, and I happen to know these numbers because it was a client from yesterday. Okay. So they were very attracted to this uh, type of situation. So this particular client had about $700,000. Fortunately for them, they did have a very small pension, and husband and wife had Social Security. They have very modest income needs, so they only had a shortfall of about $1,000 a month. But they had 700 and some thousand dollars to fund it, which is a great position to be in. Yeah. However, they're also self, you know, admittedly conservative folks where they say, I know that we should be more in the market, but we, we don't like being in the market. We want to be conservative. But at the same time, we know that we'll probably never use this money. So that's the way that we can maximize our estate for our, our beneficiaries or our kids. So if I tell you the numbers I'm about to tell you, know that even eight months ago, these numbers were a mere fraction of what I'm about to tell you, but it's because rates have climbed so much. This is the scenario for them. 67, 64-year-old couple. Mm -hmm. Or I'm sorry, they're five years younger than this. So 59 and 62 currently. Okay. They want to retire in five years. So when they're 67 and 64, they're going to put $150,000 into a deferred vehicle that will provide a pension stream. 150000 bucks. All the numbers I'm telling you are 100% guaranteed. This is not theoretical, 100% guaranteed. In five years off of their $150,000, they will generate guaranteed $13,727 a year. So which is $1,000 a month. $1,144 yeah. a month. Yep. Yeah. That is guaranteed for both of their lives. The one benefit to this particular approach is because rates are so good and because companies are being very um, aggressive with their pricing to try and attract new customers. If they die young, one of the risks of a pension is, well, okay, this is great, but if we both jump on a hang glider and, yeah. you know, land harder than we anticipated, then where'd the money go? It's, an, it's a refund back of all the money you paid in. So somebody's going to get the 150. It's either you or somebody else. But if you look at it fast forward and you say, what if they live in this particular scenario, this uh, wife's family lives very, very long. So longevity insurance is important to them. By the time she's in her 90s, they will have received more than double of what they put into it. And this is all guaranteed. So what did that do for them? Because if you're a, a math nerd, you might be listening to this going, well, that's a pretty decent rate of return, I guess. But that's not much better than what you can get out of the stock market. And you're right. It's about equivalent to what you can get out of the stock market. But nevertheless, what is, what is the benefit? It's predictable. It's guaranteed. And it's affording them the emotional um, security blanket mm -hmm. or stability or comfort level to know that, all right, we're going to invest the other 600,000 bucks in the market and it's going to bounce all around, but we're going to be handsomely rewarded in the long run. And it's not relevant to what we need. It's a benefit. And what we did is we built a portfolio that kicks off a lot of dividends. So they say, we're never going to sell any stocks that we don't have. We don't want to, mm -hmm. and we're just going to get this ancillary dividend income and use that for our travel budget. Happy as larks. Now that for somebody who's just looking at this from not a science or a psychological perspective, but pure math, that may not be the best plan. 
but from an actual pragmatic, practical approach where you say, well, what's going to make me feel right and feel comfortable about my retirement? It was perfect for them, which is why so oftentimes we say not everybody's plans the same. Yeah, but it points out to me, like, I remember our consultation with you when Sherry and I came in, it was like a, a kind of a get to know you session, not just what investments do you have? What's your appetite for volatility? It's it's a lot of being a great financial planner for a couple, I would think, is getting to know them to the point where you understand what their a risk tolerance is. You don't want to have them in things that they're uh, on the edge of their seat every day and calling you and needing reassurance or whatever. Um, but that allows you to understand, okay, um, what are your financial needs? What are your plans? What do you want to accomplish? Because part of what you would put in place for them, part of your blueprint for them, will be dependent upon what do they envision in retirement. And if they have a vision of retirement, is their vision of retirement realistic for the resources that they're entrusting you to work with to get them to that vision. And not just their resources, but what is the glide path? In other words, what, what do they want that roller coaster ride to look like? Um, and, and stick with me. It might be reaching a little bit here, but you know, I've talked about how it's math, which is what yep. you just addressed. That's math. But there is a science and a psychology piece to it. And, and a metaphor that I would use, I don't know if you've ever read this, but you've been married a long time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the five love languages, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. Very beneficial in a very, marriage. Very. Uh, I didn't realize my wife was a words of affirmation person for far too long, uh, which would have made, made my life a heck of a lot easier, right? <laughs> which, you know, for me, words of affirmation mean absolutely nothing. And it's critical when you're doing the financial planning process, as silly as this sounds, everybody has kind of a financial love language. Mm -hmm. And what's good for one person is not remotely good for the other. So to come in and say, fill out this questionnaire, here's 13 questions, it's going to put you in this little box that says you're a moderate investor, and this is what you should be in. Um, while that does give us a very good gauge, and I'm not making fun of anybody that uses that, it tells you where the financial people think you should be. It doesn't tell you where you think you should be which is a can be a very large river without a bridge. And all you're really doing is a great disservice to them. If I tell you this is where you should be and you agree with me because you feel like that's the right thing, and then two years into this you realize, well, that's the roller coaster that I was not prepared for at all, there's only one thing worse than doing financial planning, and that's doing financial planning wrong and then blowing it up in the middle of it and causing yourself a whole bunch of penalties and taxes and things you shouldn't have had to pay for to begin with. I actually like that image of a roller coaster ride because, you know, right here in Ohio, we've got Cedar Point, and Cedar Point is a park that has a ton of different roller coasters. And it's possible that you may hate one roller coaster. I'd never get on the one that takes me 80 miles an hour straight up and straight down. Yeah. Uh, but the, almost all the others I would get on. And if you think of risk and investing as a, as a roller coaster ride, uh, you know, there are baby coasters. And then they're the ones that, you know, are really nasty. And then there are people who sit in the front because they love being in the front. They want, they want to experience the maximum of the maximum. And then there are people in the back who are like white knuckling it the whole time. And I'm going to do this. But that's not what you want your clients to be feeling like as they are uh, as they are riding it out uh, through whatever remains of their work life and their retirement. You want them to enjoy and understand why they're on the path they're on. Well, and in general, if we're using that as a metaphor, in general, if you look at that, I think it's called the tap, uh, 
dragster or something like that. Top the fuel dragster. There yeah. you go. There you go. So, you know, if you look at the people that are usually sitting in those seats, it's not you and me. No. No, it it's, it's people, not people that are close to retirement. It, it's teenagers <laughs> and maybe people in their 20s, yeah. right? Um, so you could draw the logical concu- conclusion that why don't we just put a sign in front of that that says if you're over the age of 40, you shouldn't ride this coaster. Well, that's <laughs> preposterous. There will be people who are in their 60s yeah. that go, this is for me. And I think that's what we do in finance is we say, well, if you're in your 60s, you should never be invested this way and you should be. That's silly. There will be, there will be anomalies. There will be people who like that better. And it's my job to not just tell you what you need to do, but somehow figure out a way to correlate that with what you want to do so that we can simultaneously achieve maybe your emotional objectives while still achieving your financial ones. And that's a little bit difficult. Um, and in my opinion, you know, as I talk to my children and they, you know, as your kids do, I'm sure they they say that experience matters, but they don't believe it. Right? They, they don't believe it, but it really does. Yeah. You don't gain this without experience. No, that's absolutely true. And Josh has been doing this for a long time. Very successful at it. He wants to be successful on your behalf. So set up your free no-obligation consultation by calling their office and making your appointment. 614-917-1040 is their number at Aptus Wealth Management. They're located in Lewis Center. You can make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. It's great to have you with us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley, along with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. We appreciate your time. You're investing your time to listen to the show, hopefully toward a goal of arriving at retirement with financial peace of mind. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. Their firm is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750. It is not far from 23 and 270, and they are dedicated to helping you come up with an investment plan, a blueprint, if you will, to arrive at financial independence with peace of mind. My wife and I have gained that as Aptus clients, and I believe you would do the same. So set up your free consultation with no obligation at all by calling their office at 614-917-1040, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com is their website. And so much, Josh, of gaining peace of mind in retirement is having investments that pay the kind of dividends and returns that you're looking for. But Retirement is one of those things that I think is a real worry of a lot of people. In fact, I would say most people, because it's one of the things in life that if you get it wrong, once you're in the midst of it, it's, I don't want to say impossible, but very difficult to then get right. Getting it right is largely predicated upon making the right decisions in the years, decades, multiple decades leading up to it. Yeah, you know, I saw uh, something on a, you remember the old Sky Mall catalog mm-hmm. that was on flights? Sure. I, I saw a little uh, ad in one of those a uh, long time ago, this was probably 25 years ago, where it said that how you decide to, li- how you decide to live the first 40 years of your life gets dictates how you get to live the next 40 years of your life. Now, in this, it was selling, I think, like an exercise bike or sure. something, right? Sure. But I think that that same type of approach applies to finance. and. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times, but it's been thousands of times that I've spoken with people and they all say the same thing. I don't want to be a Walmart greeter mm-hmm. when I'm 80, right? <laughs> For whatever reason, sure. like like Walmart's the only store that hires 80-year-olds. Yeah. But nevertheless, the concept is if I get this wrong, I'm going to have to go do some form of labor that sounds abysmal to yeah. me. Yeah, I don't want to do something I don't want to do, whether it's working or working at something I don't want to do. Now, I would say fortunately for 
a lot of those people that are just inherently warriors, and we all know some of these people, those uh, the folks that have a problem for every solution. Mm-hmm. Like you could tell them, you know, whatever you tell them, you won the lottery. Well, think of the taxes, yeah. Yeah, right? right? They they have everything. <laughs> right. um, you know, you can't necessarily help everybody, but if you don't fall into that gloom and doom category for everything, and you just have what you believe to be le- legitimate worries, and if you look at today, I mean, as we're sitting here today, I believe, and you're the political guy, but I believe the last president and the sitting president are both under investigation. Yes. I mean, let's think about that That's for right. a second. There is no shortage of information to lead you to believe that this time is different and it'll be awful. And I think oftentimes those worries, which are perpetuated in our media, can really wreak havoc on the soul and really wreak havoc on your decision-making process and lead you to believe that your level of decision-making, whether it's conservative you know, I need to go really conservative today because the ball's about to drop or whatever it might be, isn't necessarily warranted or based in fact. Um, and I can only share with you uh, a few things that I hear oftentimes as really significant worries of people. I mean, they're, they come in, what's the purpose that you came in for today? Well, I really want to talk about these couple of things because I'm really worried about them. And they don't apply to like 99.9% of the people. Wow. For example, we've all heard horror stories about estate taxes. Mm-hmm. So estate taxes are different than income taxes. When you die and you pass your money to your heirs, you have the potential of having to pay different layers of taxes. One being, well, if I leave my 401k to my kids, well, they're going to have to take the money out of the 401k and that's going to be taxable income, ordinary income tax. Well, if I leave my house to my kids, I get a step up in basis, which means they probably won't owe any taxes. And I won't bore you with all the details of all this stuff. But then there's something called a state tax. And, and the story goes a lot like this that I always hear. I heard about this owner of a baseball team who owned the baseball yeah. team. And when he died, his family had to sell the team just to pay just the to estate pay the taxes. taxes. Right. So I'm so worried that I've heard these stories of, you know, you end up paying 60, 70 percent in taxes, which for that particular individual, might absolutely be accurate. But know that a state tax, which can be as high as 45, let's just say at 50%, and then on top of that, you have to pay income tax, by the way. So this, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, it could be significant. terrible. It doesn't apply until you have a net worth of north of $13 million. And if you're married, it doesn't apply until you have a net worth of the combined total of two of those. So $26 million. Wow. Now, I'm not, I hope that everybody listening is worth $26 million mm-hmm. and good on you. I'm, I'm happy for you. But the vast majority of folks, it's not going to apply to. But these are concerns that people keep them up at night. How am I going to, you know, I've worked my whole life for all this money and it's all good. 70% of it's going to be taken by the government. Right? Yeah. It's one of those situations where you hear a situation and, um, because you have a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. There's a reason why any cliche is a cliche, why it gets repeated a lot, is because in most cases there's uh, an element of truth to it, and a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing if you don't have the rest of the knowledge because that gives you a complete picture, and that's the advantage of having a fiduciary, someone who's legally obligated to do what's best for you, planning for your retirement. They are fiduciaries at Aptus. You can set up a free consultation with them to understand Things like estate taxes and other concerns in retirement, call their office, make your appointment, 614-917-1040, or make your appointment online, aptuswealth.com. 
Now, you interact with a lot of clients. I'm sure that they have a lot of worries besides just the state tax. What are some other things that as people transition toward retirement cause them concern, whether that concern is well-founded or not? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. And I think, you know, you and, and I'll talk about a couple in a second, but I think you hit the nail on the head where you said that a lot of people have all these worries because they have a little bit of information. Well, the problem with today is that we have a lot of bit of information, but our interpreter might be a little bit yeah. broken, yeah. right? Um, for example, you know, nobody trusts financial professionals anymore. And it used to be that everybody trusted their doctor. But regardless of what side you were on, on like the COVID vaccine, for example, and I don't want to get a long form sure. discussion on that, but regardless of which side of it you are on, we can all agree that the byproduct of COVID was that there is a lack of trust, at least amongst a large contingency of people in their doctors. Yes. So we have more information at our fingertips now than we've ever had. And we have less trust now than we've ever had. So then you correlate that back to the 24-hour news cycle, and there's no shortage of things to be terrified of. Yeah, right? because you can go online, and I could go there right now, and we, you and I have talked about this on the show before, where we could find 10 headlines, recession is imminent, it's going to be one of the worst ever, and find 10 headlines, soft landing, they pulled it off, no worries, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, and if I was going to draw a metaphor on finance to the medical profession since I use that. I remember about 10 years ago, I got some blood work done and I did what everybody should not do. You know, if you want to tick somebody off at a craft store, say you Pinterested something and you need some stuff, <laughs> or if you want to tick your doctor off, go, well, I saw the results and I WebMD'd it. Yeah. Right? There you go. And I went in and I said, go ahead, hit me with it. Because what I Googled was I have Hodgkin's lymphoma, right? It turns out I had a cold, uh -huh. right? But so the same thing happens in finance. So we've already talked about estate planning. Let's talk about a couple of other things. Uh, one that I hear all the time, and this is controversial, is that we all need to buy substantial amounts of gold or, yeah, or precious, precious metals. metals, right? And if you've stayed up past 10 o'clock on any night, you have seen infomercials for buy gold now uh, and buy food storage mm -hmm. because the end is near. Yep. And unfortunately, I want everybody to kind of think about this. Close your eyes and think about every single year for the last 20 years, you've seen those infomercials, right? That's right. Absolutely true. Okay. So in the last 20 years, how many times over the last 10 years, 20 years, has gold been the best investment for you to put your money in? And the answer is you might be able to pick a year, but you can't pick a 10-year stretch. You can't find one. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Now, we could all pontificate on whether or not you know the U.S. debt is going to collapse us, et cetera, et cetera. But I assure you, that if the U.S. economy collapses in the cataclysmic way that is being pitched to you, think revelations, right? I yep. mean, it's it's the end of days. Yep. Do you really think that gold is going to save you? It's not going to save you. Gold is an investment just like any other investment. And unfortunately, it has been the single worst investment second only to the United States dollar over the last hundred years. You'd be better off buying real estate, better off buying bonds, better off buying stocks, anything you can put your mitts on, you'd be darn near better off buying uh, baseball cards than you would be wow. buying gold. So note that they're appealing to your emotional insecurities of an economic collapse, which I'm not belittling, but there are other ways that you should be able to satisfy your fears that are far more advantageous than just going and buying gold bullion and paying somebody $300 to store it for you with a... $250 annual fee for the account. And the people who are selling you the gold don't care about your financial security, nor do they care about the price of gold. What they do care about is they can make money selling you gold. 
Yeah, you know, as I assess that, it makes total sense, particularly given, like, I've got maybe a better window of understanding into how media works than other people do. Why do people advertise? Why would the gold companies be advertising on late-night TV? Okay, because they know that that audience is going to be receptive to their message. I don't know an advertiser anywhere, an effective one, who's ever advertised in a forum, television, radio, podcast, whatever, where they're not reaching their target audience. They advertise to people who are predisposed to buy the product they're advertising. Why do you think they advertise beer on football games? Why do you think they advertise luxury cars for professional golf? Because, you know, most, if you belong to a country club, you're pretty well off financially. You might have the money to buy a luxury car. So you're watching that program. Then you see the ad, and then you start to buy into a mindset that is presented in that ad. So I would think a lot of what you do at Aptus, particularly when you're meeting with people for their free consultation, is getting them to understand that the things that they bring in, their preconceived notions, that little bit of knowledge that's a dangerous thing, why it's dangerous and why it may not fit the situation that they're in. You know, I think it's critical to display those myths without a couple ways. I mean, certainly don't make anybody feel stupid for believing them because... There is validity in all of Well, these. and the people who are putting those messages out are really skilled at putting those messages out. There's nothing wrong with being intrigued by them or, or find them alluring because that's the work of another professional who's skilled in that area to get inside your head. Particularly infomercials that last for a long period of time. I mean, as you, as I, you and I sit here and talk today, we don't know what we're going to talk about. We're just right. having a conversation right. about finance. But if we took a tremendous amount of time and said, we're going to structure a 30-minute conversation steering people mm-hmm. towards one particular widget, we could do a very compelling argument to do that. And now insert you know, some recent headlines, and we have steered somebody in the direction that we want to take them. And now get them when they're you know half asleep at 11 o'clock at night with a phone in their hand, and we might be able to get them to do some silly yep. things. Yep. Um, and... You know, there's there's other things that people are worried about beyond just that. But we all know people that are just worried all the time. And unfortunately, that takes hold of them. I, I believe my job is to try to take as much guesswork and uncertainty out of retirement planning as possible. Or let's not even use retirement planning. Let's use financial independence planning as mm-hmm. possible. Because I think everybody that's listening universally can say the same thing. Whether they love their job, hate their job, want to work forever, don't want to work forever, um, you know, maybe they never want to retire. Everybody wants to be in a position that if, God forbid, something happened to them that they could not work, that they would not be living in a van down by yeah. the river, right? Yeah. They want to be able to continue their lifestyle. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, that's why my wife and I gained great peace of mind from having Josh put together a blueprint for us seeing how it tracks out with different levels of volatility, and we make the decision on which one we want to embrace. And there are many, many, many vehicles out there that you can have more risk with one, less risk than another. You are allowed, and I didn't even think of this going in, you are allowed to take a certain piece of your retirement investments, put them in a higher risk, put a certain piece, put it in another. I hadn't really given it that kind of thought, which brings us to a topic that um, – is certainly uh, often discussed around retirement, and that is diversification. Before we get to diversification, I wanted you to touch on another thing we hear a lot in the conversations around retirement today and around economy today, and that is the creation of a digital currency, uh, the elimination of cash, 
the value of the U.S. dollar. Uh, I don't know. Those may be three completely different topics. It may be kind of one topic. People are hearing a lot about that. What can you tell them about that term uh, or those three terms as they are discussed in today's news? Yeah, I would think we're we're already very close to a digital currency economy. We just don't know it. Uh, I mean, if, if you and I reached into our pocket right now and combined all of the actual greenback cash mm-hmm. that we have, we might be able to buy a dinner. Yeah. I mean, how much cash do you really carry? You probably pay for everything with a debit or a credit card. Sure. Um, I would be willing to bet that most people that are listening uh, haven't written that many checks even in the last year. They're probably using a credit card or online banking. Yeah, Venmo, PayPal, something like that. There is not much different but difference between that and a digital currency. But I think the fear that we have is that there will be some sort of uh, underlying negative consequence to the transition between the U.S. dollar and digital currency. So rewind the clock back to around 2008, 2009, and we heard the term Amero. This was, you know, you have the euro in Europe, which is where they took all the countries mm-hmm. in Europe, not all of them, but the majority of countries in Europe and said, rather than having all of these individual currencies where you're traveling the equivalent of like across the state line in the U.S., and now you have to... You know, I have to convert your cash and do all this stuff, and there's a transition cost. Why don't we just use a universal currency so that we can be transient and buy stuff with equivalent dollars? Well, in the U.S., they were saying we're going to do the same thing with an Amero, and the Amero will be between Canada, the United States, and Mexico. And then it went, well, maybe it's just the United States. And the theory is, you know, the conspiracy theorists said what they're going to do is they're going to offer Ameros at a 10 or 20% discount, meaning that you're getting less Ameros per dollar, but they'll sell it to us with this will eliminate so much illegal activity dollars like drug dealers, mm-hmm. et cetera, that it'll actually be worth more. But it's a way that they can kind of reduce the U.S. deficit with a kind of built in taxation. Now, I'm by no means suggesting that none of this could occur. I mean, all of these things that I'm talking about can occur. I mean, if we've learned one thing through uh, our time on the planet, it's that uh, the government can do some pretty tricky things mm-hmm. right, without us noticing it. But. I think the one thing that I hear oftentimes is that the the, sh- the conversion from us to a digital currency is going to be cataclysmic. I mean, basically what you're going to do is the rich are going to get richer and everybody else is going to be poor and destitute. Sure. It's all going down. It's just not going to happen. Uh, I think it's important to note that the rich only get richer when the poor have enough money to buy their stuff. So they cannot eliminate the middle and the lower class. They can't do it uh, because it would be essentially eliminating themselves. And if you're listening to this saying, well, unless you got $70 billion yeah. and you're sitting on a mound of money on your own private island, um, those people aren't farming. Those people aren't uh, building their own Apple uh, iWatches. They're not doing any of that stuff. So we can't go down that path. And I think ultimately, sadly or positively, I don't know what it'll be. We're going to end up in a digital currency age. It's just a matter of time. Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Catch Josh with me every Monday, 12.35 p.m. on the Bruce Hooley Show for Money Monday. And then this show airs 7 p.m. Friday night. It'll re-air on Saturday at noon. Okay, so let's chat a little bit in the time we have left about diversification. And I know that has meant a lot of different things over a period of time. It used to mean you needed uh, 30 stocks and then mutual funds became a thing and now it's like is diversification like stocks and bonds and we can get into long involved discussions about number of stocks don't make you diverse it could be big companies small companies all this kind of stuff what's diversification mean now or is it different for every investor 
Well, I think the concept of diversification is a, is a pretty old one. I mean, if we rewind the clock back, there was a time when, again, everybody had those pensions and Social Security, and then they invested in a little bit of stock. They probably had some CDs at the bank, and maybe they were had a, a penchant for General Electric mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. So they went and bought a few shares of General Electric. Uh, then, you know, fast forward, and we started running into these crazy things like, you know, Enron and People got a little bit of trepidatious about maybe one stock isn't good enough, so we came, we created mutual funds. And mutual funds, for all intents and purposes, is no different than going and buying a place in Myrtle Beach where you say, I want two weeks a year, right? You're buying mm-hmm. a fractional ownership in all these stocks. And that allowed for smaller investments and a more diversified batch of stocks. So if you think about it, if one share of X company was 500 bucks and you only wanted to invest 500 bucks, how are you going to diversify? You can only afford one stock. So what they did is they said, we're going to create this basket of stocks via a mutual fund. And you can, you know, throw 50 bucks in and get a small percentage share of all these three, four, 500 stocks. And that's great. And that certainly uh, leveled out a lot of the volatility and it made it much more comfortable for people to invest at a smaller dollar amount. Investing properly was no longer a privilege only of the rich. Yeah. So all these things are good. Then fast forward and there's this guy named Markowitz won the Nobel Prize this year, who said what's really important is not just that you have a bunch of different stocks to avoid the fallout of one going bankrupt, but there is a secret sauce in the allocation between different asset classes. And by asset classes, think of things ranging everywhere from corn to stocks that are big, small, and in the middle, to growth stocks, value stocks, to bonds, to all these different things. And the reason there was a secret sauce between them is something called correlation. If the bond, and it's funny that we talked about this in the first segment of the show, that it doesn't always work this way. But historically speaking, as the stock market suffers, people usually flock to safety. The government usually lowers interest rates, which makes bonds do well. So you have this environment where not everything is going down. One is kind of offsetting the other so that you can limit volatility without reducing return over time. But fast forward to today, and I think we've gotten uh, a little bit over our skis in what we believe diversification is. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. For example, on a weekly basis, I will have somebody come into my office and say, I have 47 different mutual funds, so I'm diversified. Okay. Um, Fair. Uh, One mutual fund probably got you diversified, but what is the overlap amongst those mutual funds? Mm -hmm. If you own a thousand different mutual funds and they all own the same hundred stocks, (laughs) it's no different than owning one. Right. And and we see this a lot. Um, or uh, another one that I hear a lot is I'm diversified. I decided that rather than having one big IRA, I have 20 IRAs that add up to the one big one. Well, an IRA isn't a diversification tool. It's just an IRS tax code sure. line item that says this is the way it's going to be taxed. What's invested in it is more important. So you didn't really diversify anything. Or we'll hear this one. I want to get 17 different financial advisors so that I'm diversified amongst my financial advisors, which, by the way, depending on how much money you have, might not be a horrendous idea. I think 27 is a little exorbitant, but maybe you want to so that you have kind of a concert of um, ideas. The problem with that is they better be communicating clearly or one person might zig while the other person zags and they might not be comparative or... What if you go to one advisor and say, I want to be super conservative, and you go to the other one, you want to be super aggressive? Well, you're going to be really happy with one and really disappointed with the other one year and vice versa the next. Absolutely. That's not a fair assessment 
on where that you should be. So I think it's critical that while diversification is important, um, Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett talk about over-diversification all the time. Um, and I think Charlie Munger might be a little bit too extreme in the non-diversification category, who's Warren Buffett's right-hand man. He owns two stocks, uh, one being Berkshire Hathaway, which wow. is like owning a well, mutual fund, by good. the way. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. good there. Uh, and he's also worth, you know, $20 billion. So you have, uh, it affords you certain <laughs> opportunities. Uh, but I think the critical part is your fear, which is making you diversify, is the fear of making poor decisions due to lack of information. If we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. The fear is my intuition in picking this particular advisor, maybe I was wrong, maybe he's a crook, so now I'm diversifying amongst advisors. My fear is maybe, what if Fidelity goes out of business? Well, I'll put some at Fidelity and some at Schwab. Are those founded fears or are they just irrational fears? And I think in my estimation, most of them are irrational. But until you have the information to know the difference... You just do irrational things. I mean, that's just what we do, right? I mean, if you don't, if you think that the sky is going to fall uh, or you think it's going to rain every day, you carry an umbrella, but it's not going to rain every day. The key word in that to me is information. And when you have a fiduciary or a financial planner, and Josh and the Aptis wealth management team are fiduciaries legally required to do what's best for you, they can give you the information that will enlarge your understanding of these terms that we hear and we think, okay, I want that. I want diversification. You know, I want no volatility. I want this. I want that. Set up your free consultation, 614-917-1040, aptuswealth.com, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.